Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. And so the only reason I got to see it was because my friend qualified. I mean, he had done all of his security clearances, and so he had his badge, you know, that let him into everything. And as long as I was with him, I was fine. Now, if if he had gotten called to do something while I was there and I was had some time on my hands and I started wandering around, there's no telling exactly what would have happened. I may have ended up in one of those cells. But as long as I'm with him and people are like, who are you? You know, what are you doing? I, I can just answer, I'm with him. And so I had access because of him. There's something really similar spiritually going on in the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans. You and I do not qualify for access to God on our own. We, we don't qualify. We can't come to him. And that's, that's a really serious problem that we have. I mean, if I hadn't gotten to get in and see my friend's workspace in the federal building, I mean... That's, that's, I would have been a little disappointed, but that's not like life altering. But if, if we don't have access to, to God, that means we don't have access to hope. We, we don't have access to love. We, we don't have access actually to life. And, and you may be here this morning and you're exploring faith. Maybe you have not experienced God as the source of those things. I, I need to tell you that whatever hope, whatever love, whatever life you experience in, in this world has its ultimate source in, in God, the creator who made you. And to the extent that we are separated from him in this world or permanently in the world to come, if, if we are separated from, from God, there is no other source of hope or love, or life. And those who go to an eternity separated from God, there, there will be no hope, no, no love, and no life because God is the source of, of those things. And so because you and I don't qualify to have access to that God on our own, we need another way in. And we're gonna talk about what that access is this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter four. If you don't have a Bible with you, please do pick one of those up that are on the seats near you and Romans four is on page 1042. If you haven't been with us over the last few months, I'll just tell you that we are studying through this rather long letter to, to the Romans and to, to kind of help us stay on track and keep track with this long letter, we're dividing it into four seasons. So if you watch things on Netflix or Amazon and they're divided into seasons with different episodes, we have been in season one of Immersed by Grace. And, and the theme for season one is the righteousness of God revealed through universal condemnation. It's been heavy because we're seeing the fact that there is no one, no one of us 
qualifies on our own to have access to God on our own. We need another way in. There's universal condemnation because we have all fallen short of God's standard. So we're coming to the end of season one today, and we're ending that with a a case study on the life of Abraham. We've been in that for the last few weeks, looking at the faith of Abraham. Abraham's life example shows us how we gain access to God even though we don't qualify on our own. Last week, if you were here, we saw a promise that God made to Abraham. We see that in verse 17. It is written, I have made you, Abraham, the father of many nations. Paul is quoting here from Genesis chapter 17 Verse five, which says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So God is changing his name. Some of you have this in a footnote, but the name Abram means exalted father. That's a nice name. But Abraham means the father of multitudes. And so God is saying in this promise, I have made you, the father of a multitude of nations. This is kind of a remarkable, kind of an odd statement, really, because at this point when God says this, Abraham has exactly one child, and his name is Ishmael. So he's hardly the father of of a multitude, and yet God says, I have made you. we, We get an explanation of why he's saying this, like, as though it's already done, if we read on in verse in Romans 4, 17. God said, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom Abraham believed, who gives life to the dead. We'll come back to that in just a moment. And he calls into existence the things that do not exist. So God is saying here, Abraham, I realize you've got one son right now, but I'm I am calling as though it already exists the fact that you you will father nations. You will father a multitude. He is is the God who calls things that are not as though they are, and he does that with confidence. This is the way it's going to be. So God made this promise to Abraham. He also makes a promise that Abraham will be the father of a multitude and he will give a child through Sarah, his wife. So again, in Genesis 17, 15, 16, God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Okay, this is another remarkable thing, another remarkable promise God is making because there's some major obstacles in the way for this promise to be fulfilled. We see those in verse 18 and 19. So in hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Some of you have a footnote on the word barrenness. The, the, the Greek word is actually deadness. 
Okay, that's important. We will we'll come back to that in, in just a moment. There's a couple of major obstacles to God creating multitudes through Abraham's life. I mean, the first is his own body. Like, he's pretty old. I mean, he's, he's about 100. So it's not inconceivable that a 100-year-old man could conceive, could, could help uh, produce a, a child. That's not inconceivable. But then we get to Sarah, and we have obstacles because, number one, they as a couple have not produced a child in all of this time, all of these decades. We can, we can safely assume that they've had marital relations in that time, and there's no child been produced, even though they, they would have wanted one to be produced. And so it hasn't happened. So she's barren, and she must be the one who is barren, who is infertile, because he did produce a son through the servant girl, Hagar. So, so Sarah's not able to produce a child because of some, something that's going on in her body infertility-wise. Now, infertility sometimes can be reversed. It can be, it can be repaired. It can be fixed. But Sarah has another obstacle going on. She is about 90 years old. And so I, I had to look this up this week because I don't know exactly what happens for, for women in menopause. And I'm just gonna say, I'm using the word menopause in a sermon. I'm just gonna say, last week, um, we talked about sensitive stuff with, related to men. It's only fair that we're gonna talk about this today. So I had to look up and see like, what happens in menopause. And so the Mayo Clinic says this, it, the, the ovaries stop releasing eggs. They, they stop releasing eggs. That means it's like physically impossible to, to conceive. I mean, there's just no egg there to be fertilized. And, and the Mayo Clinic says today that happens, that the average age for that to happen, for menopause, is age 51. Um, we can safely assume that it happens no later than that for, for Sarah. Probably it even happened earlier than that because we have better nutrition, we have better health care than they did at that point. So it, I, we're pretty convinced that Sarah... Sarah's womb is dead. That's why the, he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. The picture that we're getting is that this couple is not the first round draft picks to be like the parents of a multitude of nations. So Abraham saw, he, he saw that. I mean, he, he realized that. Verse 19 says that he considered his own body. That word considered means to, to give serious attention to. It's not just a passing thought. It's not just flippant. He's observing it fully. He's considering it attentively. He considered, verse 19, his own body, which was as good as dead, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham is not in denial. I mean, he knows what's going on here, but he trusted God's promise even though the evidence seems impossible. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. See, faith is being convinced of God's promise despite the consideration of your circumstances. Faith is being convinced 
That, that means I'm, I'm sold out, I believe it, it it's absolute. This, Jeremy, uh, a few weeks ago, said that the definition of faith, um, which uh, can also be translated as trust, it's, it's absolute trust. I'm convinced of God's promise, despite the consideration of my circumstances. So the, the consideration of our circumstances is important. Okay, evidence that we get through our senses is important. I mean, our senses are a gift from God. Our senses lead us, our sight, our our hearing, our touch, all of those things lead us to scientific discoveries for which I am very grateful. Like, I'm really grateful that, that someone discovered penicillin. Some of you know who that was, and I didn't look that up. But anyway, there's, there's a real person who discovered penicillin. And antibiotics, because I hear of people on a regular basis who have infections that a 1,000 years ago they would have died from. But today we throw antibiotics to them, and it's like in a couple of days you're, you're as good as new. I am really thankful for that discovery. I'm thankful for the harnessing of electricity, that we can sit in a room like this, that we can have air conditioning this summer, I, I'm thankful for, for so, so many things that science gives to us. So faith, faith is not a denial of science. Faith is believing that God is greater than science. So we don't have to deny science to have faith. We just need to realize that God is not subject to the rules that he put in place to govern his creation. God is outside of those things. And so if he wants to produce a child through an older couple that physically, medically speaking, has no capability of producing a child, then God can do that. So what about us? Are we convinced of God's promises despite our circumstances? Well, let's look at a few promises that God has made to us. Um, let's look first at Hebrews 13, five. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's the promise that God has made. But some days we consider our situation and we feel, we feel lonely, we feel alone. We, we feel that when someone has rejected us. We, we feel that when someone has abandoned us. We, we feel loneliness, but in those circumstances do we come back to the promise of saying, okay, God, I may feel this way right now and the evidence points to this direction, but God, you said I will never leave you nor forsake you. We may well feel lonely and that's a, that's a real feeling, but we are not alone because of the promise that God has made to us. Isaiah 40, another promise. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But sometimes I consider my circumstances and I'm tired. I'm tired physically, sometimes tired emotionally. Sometimes even I feel tired spiritually, like I'm just tired of spiritual battle. And so I feel weary and I feel like this is too much for me. I'm overwhelmed, I just wanna throw it in for now, I just wanna give up right now. But God's promise is if we wait for him, he will renew our strength. We can, we can wallow in our circumstances or we can wait for the Lord. 
Say, God, I don't know what the timing's gonna be. I don't know exactly what this is gonna look like, but you have promised that you're gonna renew my strength, so I'm gonna trust in you. Uh, one more, Philippians 4. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I look, I consider my circumstances and I don't feel very rich. I have a, a bill that's coming that I wasn't expecting. I have a, a life situation that is just, it's like I don't have the resources that I feel like I need to face that. I can wallow in that. Or I can say, wait a minute, God has promised to supply every need. Not, not just supply the need and kind of pay our debt and get us to zero. He's giving from riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that when we come into relationship with Christ, it's like he gives us the key to a vault and we get into it and there is an unending supply that you and I can never deplete. All of us together can never deplete. We can wallow in looking at our circumstances and feel like we've run out of stuff. Or we can hold on, be convinced of God's promises. Please understand, okay, let me, let me clarify something here. And please understand that what I'm describing here is not what you hear promoted today, uh, the idea of manifesting. Like I'm gonna manifest something because I'm gonna just believe that it's gonna happen. I'm gonna believe that I have some connection wired into the universe some way, and if I just believe it hard enough, clear enough, envision it, clear enough, it's gonna happen. This is, what I'm talking about is absolutely not that because faith is always connected to a promise of God. And you and I may try to manifest something that's just something we want and it has nothing to do with what God has promised. If you wanna become convinced of something and see God deliver it in your life, then you hang on to something he has actually said, something he has promised to you and to me. When, when we consider our circumstances and they are difficult, we can waver or, verse 20, for, for Abraham, no belief made him no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. He was convinced. He was completely sure, fully persuaded. Faith is being convinced of God's promise despite the consideration of my circumstances. So God responded to Abraham's faith. He gave him a son. Not yet, not yet, actually, that's coming. He credited, before he gave him the son, he credited righteousness. He made him right with God. Don't skim too fast past this because it's the whole point of the whole chapter, verse 22. That is why Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. That, that word counted shows up in this chapter alone 11 times. So a, a little teaching note, anytime you're reading the scripture and you come across a word repeated that many times in this short of a space, it's kind of the key to unlocking the whole meaning of, of what we are reading. So let's get a little background on the word counted. Before the New Testament, in secular Greek, this, that word counted was used in commerce. It was used to talk about credit. 
by the time we get to the New Testament, it's, it's talking about crediting something to someone as something. So if we think about credit, many of us are familiar with, with cards like this. So I have been credited with the privilege of being able to go into a store and to be able to buy something with this worthless piece of plastic. I mean, think about that. Like I can go into a store and I can walk out with something that's like very valuable, like, you know, gems and stuff like that, jewelry or things, or like, you know, go to Home Depot and buy something big, you know, buy something I can ride out. I mean, I can buy something that's very expensive with this worthless piece of plastic, but it's because this company believes that I'm good for it. I'm, I'm good to pay that, that off. They believe I'm gonna pay my bill, and so they say you can borrow that, that money. God is crediting rightness with God to Abraham because of his faith, because of his trust. And so in the end, God did keep his promise. He, he gave a son, he did the impossible. Sarah, Sarah had a son and they named him Laughter because of the absurdity and the joy of all of it. God overcame deadness to bring new life. And that ends our case study of Abraham's faith. And now we get to what this means for us. Verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, Abraham's situation was not the only time that God brought life into deadness. He did that for, for Jesus. He raised, verse 24, Jesus, raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. We're gonna be celebrating that in a big way here over the next few weeks as Resurrection Day comes up. Only God can do that. Only God can bring life in the midst of death. I mean, that's what we celebrated in, in baptism. That's, that's a picture of the deadness. We are born dead spiritually, and God breathes life into us in, replace, in place of that Deadness, that's the picture that baptism paints for us. God made a direct promise to Abraham. You, you will have a son over and against impossible obstacles because Abraham was convinced of God's promise over and above the consideration of his circumstances. The same is true for us. God makes us a promise. And that promise is that you and I can be made right with him even though the consideration of our circumstances gives us every evidence that we cannot and should not be right with him. There's an impossible obstacle to you and me being right with God 
and that is our, our sin. Some of us can look back at our story and we can think of events or seasons where we say, I, I don't see how God could possibly forgive this. It's too gross, it's too ugly. Some of us have those things still going on in, in our lives. Actually, probably most of us do. I had a situation uh, this, this week, um, one day, when I was just extremely tired, came home uh, for dinner, and Sherry and I are really enjoying empty nesting most of the time. And so I came home this one particular day and was really, really tired, and I had this great idea, and I had this great information to bring to her, and so I'm sharing it with her, and she did not share my excitement. And she was like, you know, no this and no that, and I was like, you know, I, I just didn't respond well. I reacted instead of responding. I didn't, I wasn't calm and say, oh, I see you disagree with me. Tell me about what you're thinking. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. I won't tell you what I said. And so I just, I kind of like just blew up and she was like, yeah, yeah. And so we just kind of went to our separate corners for the evening. And it was a thing where, um, she didn't go, eh, eh. anyway. We just went to our separate corners for the, the rest of the evening. And, and I, it, it was something that I needed to go back and apologize for, which I did, but those things happen. And, and so the next day, I, I just said to her, I'm, I'm sorry that I can be a jerk. And she said, well, fortunately, it's not very often. So I was like, well, at least that's something. So that, that's good. But, <laughs> but it does still happen. And so I don't qualify. I, I don't qualify to be right with God because sometimes I'm unloving to her. And sometimes I'm unloving to other people and I could tell you more and you could tell me more and we don't qualify. So we can sit and think about that and that being right with God seems as impossible as Sarah's dead womb giving birth to a child. But faith, faith is being convinced that God counts you right with him despite the consideration of your circumstances. So we, this was the main point earlier that I just had the general word promise there, which is true there too, but I'm filling in the specific promise that God counts you right with him. It's being convinced of that, despite the consideration of your circumstances. This is a long main point here today, but I wanted to use three key words from our text so that you know that I'm not just coming up with this. This is actually what scripture says, convinced. Faith is being convinced that God counts us right with him despite the consideration of our circumstances. And this all brings us back to our key verse for all of Romans, Romans 1:17, And you can say it with me if you, if you know it. The one who by faith is righteous shall live. This is the faith that that's talking about. This is the faith that that verse is talking about. This is the path to life, is being convinced that what God says is true over and above the evidence that I may see in, in my own life. I don't really have time for this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I wanna share this quote for you from John Calvin because he captures this so well. He says, let us also remember that the condition of us all is the same with that of Abraham. All things around us are in opposition to the promises of God. 
He promises immortality. We are surrounded with mortality and corruption. He declares that he counts us just. We are covered with sins. He testifies that he is propitious and kind to us. Outward judgments threaten his wrath. What then is to be done? We must, with closed eyes, pass by ourselves and all things connected with us that nothing may hinder or prevent us from believing that God is true. Faith is being convinced that God counts you right with him despite the consideration of our circumstances. So here's a question. How do we become more convinced of what God has said? How do we become convinced of what he said over and above what we see so evidently around us? Well, here's, here is the answer. Spend more time listening to what he has said than you do considering your circumstances. So if you spend lots of time checking your bank account and how much it's getting depleted or how your investments aren't playing out the way you wanted them to, or you're spending time mulling over this situation in your family that is just draining the life out of you and you, you don't know how to change it, whatever your circumstances are, or if you spend more time considering the mistakes that you have made. I don't know about you, there are some days where I feel like there's like a, a, a real playing in my head of every dumb thing I have ever done. They just come one after another. And I can spend time wallowing there or I can listen to what God has said to me. I can spend time, I can open up my Bible and I can read Romans or I can put it on my phone and I can listen to it while I'm driving, while I'm sitting. Please understand as we're talking about being immersed in grace and being immersed in Romans, every time you sit down with your Bible doesn't need to be a study session, okay? Some study is good. Sometimes it's good to sit down with your pen, your colored pens, and your journal, and your reference books, and I'm just gonna dig into this word, and how many times does it show? Sometimes that's really good. Sometimes we just need to sit, and we just need to let it wash over us. And we just need to let God speak. We don't have, Jeremy said this a few weeks ago, we don't have the advantage that Abraham had of hearing God's audible voice. But we do have the advantage of what God has spoken and recorded. This is in some ways a better blessing to us than Abraham had because we have it written in front of us. We can read it, we can reread it, we can listen to God's voice. If, if, you're, if you're spending more time considering your circumstances than you are listening to God's voice, then don't be surprised that you're not very convinced of God's promises. There's no surprise there. If you're spending more time listening to the news than you are listening to God's promises, then don't be surprised that you're discouraged about the future, my goodness. Romans 4 lists a lot of impossible obstacles that God overcame. In Abraham's day, as in our day, women who are past menopause do not have babies. In Abraham's day, as in our day, people who sin are not right with God. In Jesus' day, as in our day, dead men don't get up and walk around. But Romans 4 is all about God overcoming obstacles. 
And specifically, God overcoming obstacles in response to Abraham's faith. And at the end of Romans 4, we have this very brief mention of Jesus overcoming an obstacle in response to our faith. Verse 24, it will be counted to us who believe, who trust in him, who raised from the dead Jesus. It will be counted to us who trust in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You can consider that a cliffhanger teaser for season two. Every good season ends with a cliffhanger, right? So we've been talking all about Abraham. Let's talk about us and how God is gonna work these things into our lives as we premiere next week, season two of Immersed in Grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for making your grace available to us even when we don't deserve it. Lord, give us, give us, empower us to be convinced of your promises over and above the evidence that we consider around us. Lord, we we don't have to close our eyes to our circumstances. We don't have to be in denial of those things. We can look at them with our eyes wide open just like Abraham did, but we believe that you are able to do beyond, exceeding abundantly beyond what we see with our, our eyes. And I pray for the person who's here today who may have a life circumstance When they look at that life circumstance, they say, this is insurmountable, this is an obstacle, I don't know how we're gonna get past this. Lord, may they find a promise and and be convinced of that promise that you have made over and above their circumstances. And Lord, even more importantly than any of those life circumstances, I pray for the person here this morning who looks at their circumstances, who considers their life and says, there's no way I could ever be right with God. May they become convinced of your promise to make them right with God, not because of their efforts or because of what they've done, but because of what Jesus has done and credited to their account. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.